All right. Hello, Idiots on Parade, the two ugly for TV podcast, bonus podcast. Hello, Barrett. Hey, how are you, sir? And then I just surprised Barrett with an old, old college <laughs> friend of ours, Stephen Teague. Oh, man. How are you? It's so good to see you, man. I wanted it's to get that reaction. I, I wasn't sure if I hit record and then tried it because we haven't spoken in 30 years, the three of us. <laughs> right. Uh, We've kept in light sort of Twitter touch yeah. email, like, oh, I got married, I live here, but we have not seen each other. We've not yeah. spoken in yeah. 30 years. And I just shocked hey, Barrett with, with you. This yeah. is the closest well thing done, I've that reunion. I didn't go to any of my high school reunions. I haven't gone to any reunions. So this is it. <laughs> this is I the best, to, best reunion I've ever been to. I went to one yeah. high school reunion just because I hadn't gotten fat. That was the only reason I went. <laughs> That's it, because you're just like, look, I'm only going to look better than you for a little bit longer. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's the only reason I went. And then it, it, I went, it was before Facebook became Facebook. Yes. And so now I'm friends with all of them and I can keep track of them. And I'm like, this is why I didn't talk to you in high school. You're all about, you know, yeah. <laughs> so I don't, I don't need to go to any more Facebook a couple of years ago and I, I never looked back. Didn't miss it. Uh, my wife still very much a part of Facebook and I laugh at her, but um, <laughs> yeah, that was the same thing though. Like I think that you get on the Facebook and you start becoming friends with people that you hadn't seen in years, but you don't really connect. You just kind of look at each other's uh, family pictures and everyone, everyone on Facebook is a really good cook and they, they, <laughs> their, their kids are the best. Their kids are the best behaved. And it's just like, it got to be too much for me. Yeah. So I, uh, yeah, Twitter occasionally, and then really that's it. Um, I know there's a lot of other um, social media platforms, but I don't, I don't usually do any of them. See, well, I'm a stand-up comedian now, and uh, Barrett is still a musician. So we are, in ways, bound to these social media platforms because we yes. have to maintain connections and develop and and things like that. So, but yeah. I maintain a sort of distance in that I don't buy into all the perfect life shit where where it's. Yeah, I just post bullshit. Like today, my post was virtue signaling post. I'm angry, and you need to agree with me because this shows that we are the same. Like this, you know, it was a complete bullshit post. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and you're gonna get like a bunch of people agreeing with you and a bunch of people disagreeing with you. Yep. You can kind of just throw it out there and sit back and let them kind of go at it. Yeah. I actually, that's I, I <laughs> I've done that a lot. A lot of people follow me just for the sheer fact that I'll drop a bomb. And then just walk off because I don't and never respond to it again. Yeah, yeah I'm, not I'm not involved in the fight. I just let you guys go nuts. That's good. <laughs> go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, um, yeah, I think so. You're right. So for both of you and what you do in your careers, it's probably much more prevalent for you. Um, I um, work at a software company and I, I do a lot of writing. Um, I haven't played the saxophone in, in quite a few years. Um, writing allows for a lot of anonymity. And so you can write what you want to write and, you know, publish it, push it out, whatever. Still no one knows who you are. And it's kind of nice. It's, um, it's actually really nice. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I, I tell uh, people up front, usually uh, uh, in the intro, but this was a little hectic because it was fun that, uh, you know, Barrett and I are college roommates. That's where, and that's where Stefano, we all met at the Berkeley College of Music. And that's correct. funny that Barrett was a drummer. And I was yeah. a bass player, 
and you, as I said, saxophone. Saxophone. Now, right. Barrett is a bass player, and I always point to that side, but then when Zoom does it, he's on that side. Barrett's a bass <laughs> player. You just said you don't even play the saxophone, and I, Down there. I, yeah. I'm a mouth clown. So Yeah, um, I um, actually plan on getting back to it, and a lot of pit stops between getting back to it and, and talking myself out of it. But um, I think that when I, let's see, when I left Boston and came back to California, um, a lot of just, you know, life and a lot of stuff happened. And um, the, the avenues I chose took me away from music and um, for, for quite a while. And then, of course, you know, I, I know about you, Nate, you've got one child. I've got two now. Two now. Uh, okay, you have two guys. Barrett, any and eight. Those are fun ages. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, Garrett? One. How old? He's 17. 17. That's also a fun age. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in a different way. It's an interesting age. Yeah. In a different way. Yeah, similarly. So uh, my kids um, are, by the end of the year, so we've got three. Uh, they'll be 24, 23, and 22. Um, oh, you just yeah, bang, so, bang, bang. Yeah, September, like October, pretty much like the last quarter is everyone's birthday. So, yeah. Um, so did you become Catholic for a while? Irish Catholic? What happened? <laughs> a little, little, little bit of that. Yeah, I dabbled. I dabbled in Catholicism. Yeah. Well, before we bore everybody with uh, catching up, um, I think the thing I'd emailed you is what I wanted to discuss this week is uh, shifting political beliefs as we age. And the reason uh, I thought of you, and this is going to be embarrassing to me, uh, nothing's really embarrassing because I don't care. Probably more to me, yeah. But when we all met, and it's funny just seeing you for the first time and, and your background there already, I don't know if it answers one of my questions. You were the first black Republican I ever met. Yes. I, I, and it was like it was, you, you came from California. So when you got to Boston, yeah. that was the first snowfall you'd ever seen where I'm like, how did you never know snow? Where you're like, how did you never met a black Republican? I'm like, well, I grew up poor. There's, so everybody. Yeah. So you have... That Mr. Obama behind you. Yeah. I'll go first and just say one thing Barrett and I have talked about privately and haven't really shared on the, the podcast yet is given when you knew Barrett and I, we were probably leftist radicals in your mind, possibly. I don't know. <laughs> Definitely. And Definitely. today we feel, I feel centrist. I feel not only centrist just because of age and economics, I still feel socially liberal. Like I never understood why gay people were bad or, um, yep. but the, the way the left has gone over the past, however many years, 10 years, I don't want to say that I feel pushed to the center, but it's, it's probably a natural growth to the center and, or slightly nudged to the center because I look at the, the radical yeah. youth today. I'm like, okay, I get it. You're young, but yep. I don't buy into it. Talk about, uh, the, you, you go first, and then Barry, you can talk about where you've gone. So I, I, I went from, I don't want to say radical left, but leftist to center left. You were the first black Republican I met as a kid, and it was astounding yeah. to me. And where are you today, and what took you there? So um, I grew up, I, I'm currently in Santa Barbara, California. I grew up here, and um, growing up here in Santa Barbara, I think about pre-college, um, high school, in the 80s, um, I think probably everyone locally here, although very much a hippie town. Um, when I was in elementary school, um, all my teachers had long hair, beards, Birkenstocks, drove VWs. Uh, we were very much a hippie town. At the same time, um, by the time I was in high school, I think um, the way that the politics were, I mean, it was a, this was a 
very pro-Reagan state um, back in the 80s. Um, not, not to interrupt you, but today Reagan would be looked at as a hippie by the Republican Party. So yeah, yeah. No, we've got um, Thousand Oaks, which is like an hour and a half south from here, has a Ronald Reagan library. And we've got a much smaller version of that here. I mean, Reagan is still very much revered here. And I think about like high school uh, prior to my first election that I voted in, um, like you'll remember um, uh, Oliver North and the Iran-Contra affair and mm -hmm. things like that. And everyone locally here was very much pro uh, the Republican Party at that time. Um, when I graduated high school, I graduated early. I graduated at 17. So when we first met my freshman year, I wasn't even 18 yet. And so I think my first election that I voted for was, would have been that uh, Bush election. 92. 92, yeah. And so I think that um, this is a very much, Santa Barbara is very much a bubble, very much a small town. Um, I've always, I always knew it was a small town, but never really knew how small a town it was until I went to Boston. And, um, you know, seeing snow for the first time made me realize I was from Mayberry. Um, and yeah, I think that a lot of experiences over the years kind of pushed me away from that, the Republican Party uh, to the middle, to um, that picture behind me even. And um, yeah. I think that my first election, I did probably vote Republican and ever since then I haven't. Um, and I think it's just, uh, you know, a lot of things, like you said, like we can talk to people about it now, particularly younger people and kind of wonder what, what puts them in that position for their views. But I just think I grew up here without a lot of, um, without a lot of life experience. Um, you know, most of my experiences as a kid, you know, centered around like going to the beach and, you know, probably surfing um, and, and not really thinking too, too much beyond this bubble. When I left for college, it definitely opened my eyes to a lot of other things around me as well as um, globally. And coming back home after college, I came back here after Boston, and it was um, it was different, and it was um, in a lot of ways eye opening. But it was also in a lot of ways, um, for lack of a better word, it was kind of gross, you know, because I have a lot of friends here at the time that didn't leave for college, and so you know that experience of leaving home for college, I I tried to impart it on my kids as well to like get out of town and, and go go live a bit. And um, a lot of my friends when I was younger didn't, and when I came back, I um, I, I noticed that I had changed and they didn't. And a lot of the changes that I had had and the experiences I had had, they didn't have. And, and so their experiences were similar, but stayed the same. And I think that um, my experiences, you know, caused me to continue to look a little bit more beyond uh, Santa Barbara. It's a great place. And it's a, it's a fantastic place, but there's, there's a lot that goes on in the, not even in the world, but in the U S that doesn't necessarily affect Santa Barbara. And so it's really hard for people here to feel affected by uh, what goes on particularly um, black people. Um, we have more black people in Santa Barbara now than we did when I was a kid. But when I was a kid, I mean, I remember my elementary school, there were three black students and that was myself and my sister and my brother. And that was it. Um, and that was almost the same in high school, maybe a little bit more, but um, there, there weren't a lot of, there wasn't a lot of diversity in Santa Barbara. There's more now, but um, I think it still feels like um, this is a place where you could be sheltered from a lot of things that happen. Um, even as far as like Los Angeles, which is two hours away. Well, everything you just described, um, I have two thoughts. One, they said that the majority of Trump voters had, and I can't, I can't remember, I saw this study, but there, there was a survey that said the majority of Trump supporters had never lived or moved 50 miles away from where they were born. Yeah, I would and believe that. I thought that was really interesting because that reminds me, everything you just said, 
reminds me of my childhood experience, which uh, Barrett knows, but you probably don't. Uh, I grew up in the inner city of Milwaukee where I was basically whitey. And uh, so I was very comfortable with black people. And then I, my dad got fired, which he did a lot. And we moved to a small town in Wisconsin where everybody was white. And, Tom, I, was right? and I was like, wait a second, you, you hate black people, but there aren't any here. Why? And I'm too young. I'm a kid. I don't know about the media and influence and, and how turning on the news and seeing, you know, black guy does this. And so that really formed me. And then as I grew and experienced it, and then I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. I see how small isolates and how every election cycle they talk about small town values, but those yeah. small town values are usually stay the fuck away from me. It's, it's like um, Orange County, which is good three hours from here south, um, other side of Los Angeles, it's a hotbed of um, Orange supporters. It's, uh, we, we joke that um, Orange County is the Florida of California. Yeah. <laughs> And, um, yeah, I mean, like, it's, it's very much a it's very much a red state, even though it's still California. A lot of people think California is like completely blue, but there are a lot of right wing people in the state of California. Um, yeah, even Santa Barbara, I think that a lot of a lot of um, a lot of I think a surprising amount of people locally here voted for Trump, and a lot of locals were surprised by that. I was not surprised by that. I, I see it. I see it a lot. Well, you go, you go north of San Francisco and it's red, and you go uh, east of San Francisco and it's red. When you get into the Bakersfields and you... you Bakersfields especially, yeah. Um, that's, um, I, I think that it's more pockets of blue in California. Like when um, marijuana legalization, like that's legal in the state now. It took a long time for that to happen. And the first few votes, uh, it was shot down. And everyone's like, what's California? Why isn't it legal? And people don't understand a lot of people in California don't want that. And locally here, even though it's legal, like the, the, the people that are planting and the people that are trying to cultivate plants, they're pushed out into the mountain areas and they can, they can grow it there. But like the opening of the dispensaries and things like that, it's been a lot of red tape. It's, um, it's a funny thing because you can do it legally in California, but it's sometimes harder to get access to it. Not um, a, a bit of a funny story. I don't smoke pot. And so it doesn't bother me either way, but a lot of people, when they see me, they kind of look at me going, what do you mean you don't smoke pot? I, you know, <laughs> I listen to a lot of reggae music. I do not smoke pot. Yeah. Well, it's funny. Um, You're from, was it Walk? Is that the city? Yeah, that's, that's where I ended up, Walk. And um, what's funny is, I've never understood this, but the Republican Party is the party of, of personal liberties, and yet yep. no pot. Vera, the, the, why don't you jump in? Uh, yeah. The same thing we talked about person just the, the 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 push to the center where where did you start politically as a kid and where are you today where do you feel and what do you think brought you there um and when i say kid i mean 20s like everybody talks right. like 20 year olds like i'm a young adult we're all kids yeah, at fourth, take us back to fourth grade yeah um you know well i mean i grew up in a black working class neighborhood so everybody was i was just born into the democratic process like into a democratic family where you grew up yeah yeah in uh, in, in franklin and it was a great town great little suburb you know it was really nice and sheltered and it wasn't it was safe i had a very safe childhood you know very good childhood but you know my parents were just lifelong democrats that's what they were and i grew up that way and to a degree, I still have all the liberal values that I learned as a kid, but I just find that there's something shifted. You know, I mean, I'll be honest, my real shift to being what I would call centrist, I guess, if that's the word we're using, 
it really happened in the past five years. Yeah. You know, that's when it really happened in the past five years. Like, and I, I, because just things went haywire. Like it went from the left being the party of free speech to them being the largest censorers of people. Do you know what I mean? And I was like, what is going on here? The whole thing that we talked about before, Nathan and I talked about the idea of being irredeemable. And that's just what it seems like. It's like, we're not allowed to make mistakes in our 20s. You know what I mean? And it's like, right, like that's going to be a problem. Do you know what I mean? But I think- You think about nowadays, like a kid in their 20s when everyone's got a cell phone and everything's being recorded, every mistake you're making is, it doesn't go away. You know, we made a lot of mistakes in our 20s. It's all up to memory and discussion as to what you did. I mean, and you can always just deny it. Nowadays, yeah. 20s are like, no, here's the video. Like, you know, I, I still have right. doing that. Yeah, yeah, but you, I mean, you can't outrun some shit you did in high school. Can you imagine? I mean, I think I, 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 heard, I heard some, I mean, woo. Wow. Yeah, my God. I, did. I can't even. I can't. Yeah. If Ooh. this podcast were three hours, we wouldn't get through all the stupid shit I did. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But somebody said that it was it was because when that kid got put on the milk carton, that was in our generation. But yes. we were old enough to have. Uh, we talked about it with your joke, right? We were old enough to remember cement playgrounds and things like that. Whereas the younger generation had a lot more rules, like go go out and get candy and ice cream from the creepy guy in a truck. Are you mad? Yeah, Why on yeah. earth would I give you a dollar to do that? You know what I mean? Like, like and that was our childhood. Yeah, I also that- think it was you. You you should both remember. I I would imagine there's a big part of third, fourth grade for me. I can't the Atlanta child murders. Yes, and yeah. that scared the shit out of the nation, and that was that was a seismic shift in in parenting and fear-based parenting. Right. But to go, to go with what Bear was saying quickly, I, with me, I think it was a little more than five years that I shifted to the center because while you were talking, Barrett, I, almost, I can almost put a date on it. I'd have to look it up, but you know this story. I did a gig at a college. I did a college gig and I got taken off stage early because I was mm. being offensive. I remember one of the things yeah. I was told I'll Steve, I'll just do the joke here. I'm not going to try and sell it like a joke, like I'm on stage. Okay. But I did a joke that, well, here, I'll just say it. Um, it was, I, I was farting around online. I saw a, a, a little clickbait thing that said, top 10 threats to the American way of life. Click here. So I did. You click on yeah. it so you know what you're afraid of. Number one threat to American way of life, gay marriage. Number two threat, terrorism. That means there are people who get on an airplane and are more afraid of the two men holding hands than they are of the bearded fellow trying to light the fuse on his Air Jordan. Look, I don't care what you believe, but me personally, I would rather be on an airplane right next to two men having gay sex than be on any airplane with a bomb because I would rather get off that airplane, sticky yet alive, over raining down from the sky in pieces. After that, they yanked me off stage and said, you were talking about gay marriage. And I said, but I was being pro-gay marriage. And they said, what, it doesn't what matter. What you, was a straight white male, we're talking about gay marriage. How would you imagine a gay person in the audience feels about you talking about gay marriage? And that was the point where I'm like, something crazy is happening. Because in my mind, gay people need straight allies. Yes. You know? 
but yeah. I'm lectured and told you can't even talk about it. Like I could get it if I was being homophobic and slandering and saying, what's up with gay people? But when I was told that you can't even talk about the subject, I'm like, something's wrong. That's what Barrett said when, when he talked about things going crazy. That for me was the moment of things going crazy. Yeah. What city no. was that? What's, what city were you in? Oh, that was here in Iowa City. I was doing a local university show. Um, yeah, I think that, um, and this is, this is that part, I think, what Barrett was talking about for the left, where it's like, you, you can't say that, you can't say that, you can't say that to a certain point. Um, yeah. and, that's, and that's the frustrating thing. I think that, and it's a hard adjustment to make for a lot of people that prior to five years ago, or were comfortable with saying what they felt or saying what they wanted to say. And, and I think within a lot of respects, people had thicker skins too. Like I think people could yep. deal with, you know, certain, certain jokes and certain humor without having, without pulling the comedian, so to speak, without saying show's over because of your content. Yeah. Yeah. And it goes to what you said, like, look, I, I personally don't really like Ben Shapiro and I really don't like Milo Yelanimous, whatever, I can't say his name even. Yeah, yeah. But when he's going to a college to speak and they're threatening violence and they're going in and just let anybody speak, listen, agree, disagree, but there's nothing to be gained from shouting someone down. Yeah, so for him, it was the colleges were saying, okay, we're, we're not gonna cancel your show, you can come. But it was the protesters that had him cancel the shows. Is that it? Yeah. 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 And then it got silly because I followed a little of this. I can't remember who the other person was. Ann Coulter, where they would uh, purposefully ignore the school rules for setting up a speech. Like they would file late or they wouldn't, they, they wouldn't file correct paperwork. And then they would turn around and twist to do, oh, the school is censoring me. And the school's like, no, we're not. You didn't file the paperwork. <laughs> so then they got to use it as a game too. Like once yeah. it happened, they, they like, how can we twist this? Yeah. It, it does no good. I, I, I can disagree with Ann Coulter all day long, but I'm not gonna scream at her because I can count on one hand the number of times someone has screamed at me and I've gone, oh wow, you yelled really loud. I must be wrong. The answer yeah. is zero. No one's ever yet <laughs> yeah. have yeah. a light bulb moment. I think I've gotten to a point in life where I can afford, I mean, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm happy with it, but like if someone yells at me, then my, my immediate mode goes to, I'll be really, really quiet and let them keep yelling. And then after a while, they're going to wonder why I'm so quiet. I mean, it's like, I'm not going not gonna to yell back, but I'm going to let you get it out. And then like after they get it out, once they realize you're not, you're not engaging and you're not reacting to that, then they usually just drop it. But um, I, I'm there too, for the most part. I just, I, the, I, I could give you examples, but there's no point. I, I, I can't remember when it happened, but there was a point where I just started becoming very calm. I'm like, oh, this person's angry. All right. Yeah. And it's almost to the point where you can almost laugh at it because you're like, they're really angry over nothing. But yeah, yeah. So, Barrett, where do you live now? In Woodbridge, still in Jersey. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay. it's a fun place. I mean, I, I'm... Now that there's no gigs, living near New York isn't really as important as it once was, yeah. and it puts a lot of things in perspective. In the last few years, I've been touring a little bit and doing things like that, so kind of getting that's out of the New York thing. Yeah, right? that's that's home base for you. Yeah, it is for now. We'll see what happens. You know yeah. what I mean? Let me yeah. ask you guys a question. I wonder, because I kind of had the belief that 
people went to college and they learned critical thinking skills. And with those skills, they became more liberal and therefore universities became more liberal. Do you think that's what happened, why universities became more liberal and then went overboard? Like, what do you think caused the universities to go from being places that were once bastions of free speech, where they would hire, you know, people who were former heads of hippie terrorist groups to be professors and stuff to now, like, you know, if you if you had a Playboy magazine in eighth grade, you can't you you know you can't get tenure like what do you think caused that shift i have a theory i will steven if you'd like to go first go ahead but i i have a thought it's not fully digested because you're just hitting me with the question but if you, if you want to go no 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 you go ahead you go ahead i don't know when it happened but i think like i, I remember being 18 and stupid but i thought i knew everything now I'm old and I know I'm stupid. I think that's the difference in my life. Is no, no, no. I know I don't know shit. Back then I thought I knew everything. Yeah. And I remember being angry and thinking the adults knew nothing and that I, I fuck authority and all that. Yeah. I don't know when it happened, but at some point the universities allowed the... Um, Oh, running out of time? We've removed the 40-minute time limit on your group meeting. Well, no. there we go. Thank you, Zoom. I just got a pop-up saying we can keep talking, even though my timer is off. So I, I don't know when it happened, but somehow the students got too much power, where instead of the adults being adults and saying, you are young minds, and we are here to teach you, and we can't have it back and forth, but trust us, we've been doing this for a while and you can disagree with us, but at least listen and pay attention to, it goes back to Evergreen and other instances you can find the videos online where students are just screaming at professors and, and getting them fired and removing tenure and presidents of universities are saying, oh shit, the students don't like this, we better listen to them. As, As much as this sounds like an authoritarian move, someone needed to say, shut the fuck up. And if you don't like it, go to another school. Yes. I think what happened was the students got pandered to. They, they, at the, the, everything got switched. It would be like me just constantly giving into my kids. I know you want to eat at Dairy Queen every day. We're going to go once every other week. But, you know, I mean. Universities are feeding the kids Dairy Queen every day. But, I mean, you know, in the 90s, and I know, like, Feminists talk about this a lot about uh, in the 80s, all the male action heroes and a lot of the men's rights activists talk about in the 90s, right? Like every guy was basically Homer Simpson, right? He was some fat dude with a wife that was way too pretty for him, (laughs) theoretically, right? The the parents were always learning lessons at the brilliant hands of their children, you know? And so like, if you were born in a time period, right, where... Yeah, like every movie you saw, dudes were dumb and the children were the smartest people of all of them, right? Yes. And that's what you watched. And and you you mix in with that eighth place trophies and that's what you get. Right. Everyone, you know I mean? everyone wins, yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> right. When Jim Belushi, and I've never seen the show, I've never seen a single episode, but when Jim Belushi can land Courtney Thorne Smith, come, what the fuck? 
In what world does that happen? Other than Jim Belushi says, I'm the executive producer, pow. Never happened. But I think that um, you're, you're right, though, because in the 80s, it was like the, so you think about it, in the 80s, all the action heroes were middle-aged white men, and, and not even like younger in shape, but they survived insurmountable odds. In the 90s, if you're going to be the hero, or at least the the perceived hero in anything, yeah, you you would be oh, overweight, or you would even be the other side, or you would be this like skinny kid in a flannel, and the right. unsuspecting hero. Um, right. I mean, or you would be a blonde woman. You'd be Buffy the Vampire Slayer, right. or you'd be, or Lara Croft, or right, like the 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 people who were the real badasses in the nineties were the women. Yeah. You know? Jackson and uh, Gina Davis, The Long Kiss Goodnight. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's a good, unbelievable movie. Yeah. Getting um, <laughs> back to universities, I think that uh, at some point probably right around the time we were in college, universities started to realize um, how much of a business they are. And their curriculum catered to the students because universities started like realizing like what they're, what they're getting per student, particularly if said student is not from that state. And so if your curriculum appeals, like UCSB here in Santa Barbara, our curriculum appeals to students that are outside the state of California, outside of the country of the US even, we have a lot of students coming from other countries, uh, tuition is is increased depending on where you're from and so I think that colleges realized that and I think they started shifting their curriculums to appease uh, to, to appease students to maximize how much revenue they could get per student um, and not necessarily if the student even graduates you know if you are a student UCSB is on a quarter system if you're a student and you come here you pay everything up front for the year you can drop out of college after your second quarter they've already got your money um, and I think that's that speaks to also the the how how the classes are perceived. Um, I took a couple of classes at UCSB when I came back to Santa Barbara, and the classes are all you know at Berkeley the classes were small, and in in defense of Berkeley their classes were probably somewhat manageable for the ratio of teacher to student. UCSB every class I had was a hall, and by hall I mean like hundreds, maybe three. 300 plus students. Like history in, of jazz, history of uh, rock and roll. That's right. That's right. And the teacher well, made. No, 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 I'm sorry, but uh, at Berkeley, you, you take, typically had 20 kids in a classroom. That's right. Things which were taught in the theater. Those were the only theater classes. And well, that remember, was, Berkeley also had that extension, those extension classes that you could take at Emerson. Yeah. And so you would walk a couple of blocks, but you're at Emerson campus, but you're taking classes. And so that was the experience. Um, and if you don't make a point to go, introduce yourself to the teacher or go see the teacher during teacher's hours, the teacher has no idea you have in the class. I, I know of people that paid their friends to take classes for them to get the grade. I mean, <laughs> I love it. And, it, and it's a funny thing because you're like, why didn't you just go to class? I didn't want to go to class. It's college. Like, <laughs> you just have to just show <laughs> I, up. I agree with you and I hear what you're saying. Uh, I, I hope this doesn't get me in trouble since my wife works for them, but nobody watches this. Um, <laughs> University of Iowa, pulls from Chicago like a motherfucker because we are known as the place to go when you can't get into Northwestern. It's like if your grades aren't good enough for Northwestern, come to the University of Iowa. I mean, we're, we're a mini Chicago every year. Not this year, thanks to coronavirus, but. That whole area is like so um, different, different states and different regions, et cetera. But at the same time, like it's all so intertwined too. Like yeah. years ago, I had a, had a girlfriend who, I met her here, but her family was from, um, 
uh, Milwaukee. And so I went back to Madison, Wisconsin with her for Irish Fest. Apparently you that's a big deal. By the way, you didn't look me up. I, <laughs> I did not. I probably was at the time. Uh, yeah, we were in Madison and summertime and Irish Fest is a big deal in Madison, Wisconsin. And so- oh. um, then you should go to Milwaukee because the, the grounds there every weekend do German Fest, Irish Fest. Uh, uh, we went to Milwaukee to see some of her relatives, but we wound up staying in Madison because her sister and brother-in-law lived in Madison. And I just, just assumed Irish Fest was on the Henry J. Meyer Festival grounds in Milwaukee. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that it was an interesting thing because a lot of her friends were either from Wisconsin or from Chicago. From, and I was just like, oh. You're, you're, you're from Illinois. And they're like, yeah, it's just right over there. Like everyone would make it out like, you know, even though they're from a different state, it's, you know, if you're from the West Coast, if I drive three hours, I'm still in California. Like I could drive four or five hours and still be in California. If I'm in the Midwest, if I drive five hours, I probably hit three states. You can, you can, yeah. 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 That was, that was a really surprising thing to me though. So like uh, Wisconsin, Illinois, uh, those, those, a lot of the areas in the Midwest are, are from, from a West Coast perspective, or like everyone, it, it's interchangeable almost. Like now that said to someone from the Midwest, they would probably put me in a headlock for saying that. But I, I, <laughs> no, I we consider ourselves the Midwest. I mean, we make fun of the other states, but it is a tightly. Yes. Of- yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that I, I, I still feel that. I still feel like, um, you know, especially nowadays, like you were talking about Barrett, about everything being like every, everyone's home now and, and there's, no, there's no gigs and there's no school, there's no college, like not in person at least on the West Coast, um, university prices are still the same. Like they're, they're telling you, you're gonna do this curriculum from home for this quarter. Um, my, my daughter graduated from UCSB uh, this summer, or this, yeah, this, this summer. Um, but her last quarter was all done at home and not at a discount. It's, um, and so same thing for this year, like all the top schools, top colleges are still charging their incoming freshman class the same bill that you know the incoming freshman class got last year that got to go to college and have the college experience, um, which You're actually you know, getting charged. I, I heard a podcast on this uh, one. I can't remember if she sued or she started. They're, they're getting charged campus fees. And she's like, the, the student that brought up is like, why the fuck am I getting charged a campus yeah. fee? I'm sitting yeah. at home. And they're like, yeah. I think the end result was the, the, the university said, we'll reduce it by 20%. It's like, you're reducing a fee that 20%, it's a campus fee. I'm sitting at home on Zoom. Why am I paying a campus fee? If you don't look at your bill, you're probably still paying for like the cafeteria fees and things like that. Like, I mean, people are just paying the bill for college. It's, it's an interesting thing, but colleges aren't going to suffer during this. I mean, they're, they're still going to make money because, you know, people, people need that, uh, that degree. People need the piece of paper and, and it's an expensive piece of paper. And did we, did we drift away from how the, the liber- what Barrett's question, or did we answer between the three of us? Because we all had ideas, or maybe it's a combination of the three of... Yeah, I'm not sure if we actually got to an answer. The, the kids being smart, being told constantly through television that they're smarter than the parents. That, I mean, just the perfect storm of all of it could have created the thing where now the monster itself. I, I, I looked into that when my kids were smaller, because like I said, every Disney cartoon every disney movie we owned at the time that's exactly it um there were either no parents or single parents and that single parent was always off doing something else think about like uh little mermaid you know triton's gone the entire movie with the exception of movie either has a single parent or the kids have no parents and they're orphans um every sitcom when my kids were smaller uh, you're right the, the kids were the smartest ones the kids were the sharpest ones the parents were like always so scatterbrained and always like you know 
oh, I didn't realize that, and the kids were saving the day. Those, most kids grew up, most kids my kids' age, and, and your son's age, Barrett, grew up with that being like their norm. Yeah. Um, yeah. My, ki- my kids love Odd Squad. I need to turn that shit off. Do you, do you know what Odd Squad is? I haven't seen it. Is it good? I like it, but it, it's just it's a show with all kids and they solve everything. And it's usually an adult that's in a jam and it's all cute and it's all good fun. It's not like uh, the adults are uh, Peter Griffin or Homer Simpson, but it's still the kids are little investigators that are always, Hmm, let's solve this mystery. And it, like I said, it's cute. And there are some of the members of the kids of the hall have been in it. Okay. You're saying, and now I'm like, shit, they're undermining me subtly. (laughs) (laughs) They might not even know it. No, I'm watching it and thinking, well, good for them. They're seeing little, they're, they're relating to kids their own age. And they're young kids. They're not teenagers. They're, they're young kids doing these things. And I watch it and I go, fuck, that six-year-old is a great actor. I'm an adult. I couldn't act like that. Yeah. Now I'm looking at it as, as a subversive. <laughs> like, they're, they're, like something is communicating to them that you're not getting, but they're getting it. Right. Yeah. 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 I think it's the... Uh... I mean, you know, when Trump said that thing about the housewives and people invading your town, right, his tweet, Uh, it's like... When he negated the uh, Obama-instilled housing regulations? Yeah, like uh, buying homeownership uh, in the suburbs. Yeah. Yeah. You and I, Barrett... We talked about this. I don't remember if we recorded it or if it was just you and I talking, but I live a quarter mile from low-income housing. And I live in a very nice, just bland, like there there are three neighborhoods by me. I live in the middle class to, I don't want to say lower middle class, but like there are zero lot houses and and, uh, rentals next to me. And then just up a hill are the, 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 the rich Santa Barbara houses. And then a quarter mile away are the is low income housing. And I said, anytime I would walk my dog and I go to low income housing, I'd look around like, why the fuck do you just throw trash on the ground? Why? 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 It was no different from the trailer park in town. Yeah. The trailer park yeah. is a couple of miles away. And I remember what you said, Barrett, is like, okay, well, it's generational. The, the upcoming kids look around and say, wait a second, my neighborhood looks like shit. That neighborhood looks good. Oh, and either they escape or they don't. But it, it doesn't. I never looked at it and said, this can't be here. This is reducing my property value. Property it, value on your house, yeah. Yeah, it, it didn't make me hate where I lived. It just made me question, why the fuck do you throw trash on the ground? Look at where you live. This is a nice area. All you have to do is not throw shit on the ground. And yeah. it made me wonder if, what the mentality was that it does that. But it's just a poor mentality. And I grew up poor, so I, I sort of get it in a way. And I think it, it might depend on like how that, um, you know, how that's instilled in you too. Like you grew up poor, but that was never, that never crossed your mind. Like litter, for example, whereas I think some kids, some kids do. We were in, uh, we were in Colombia a couple of years ago, the country and which is a beautiful country uh, to get to this uh, particular beach that I like, you have to go through a bit of a hike, like up a, up a mountain and down the mountain to get to the beach. And the entire hike is just littered. Uh, with just garbage like garbage that's been there for weeks months like just garbage piled on top of garbage it's the most uh non-scenic hike you're ever going to go on because of all the garbage and then you don't even think that you're going to get to this nice area because of all the garbage when you get to this nice area down the hill it's it's beautiful it's pristine it's like green trees the water's warm and it's just the locals like 
their lifestyle and way of life is like on their way up to the hill, they're eating or whatever. And there's the, the thought in the country is not to put trash cans up. And even if they did, they would be overflowing, but people just drop stuff. And um, I, we've, we've gone there a couple of times and each time we go up that hike, I'm just like, this is like, it's the most disgusting walk you're going to go on until you get to the beach. And then you're like, this is great. And then you realize you have to walk back through it afterwards. But I, I, I've always wondered about that. Well, dumb, dumb question that you might not be able to answer. What do you think prevents them from then fucking up the beach? Do you think they're just full by the time they get there and they've thrown everything on the ground or? The question, because sort of, yeah, the beach is. I'm not going to get to the beach. Before the hike and at the beach, you would think you're in two different countries. Like the beach is very nice. Um, and there's no real trash cans in the beach area either. People just like walk, will walk further to find the trash. Um, maybe uh, culturally, um, you know, California here in the West coast, we're, we're really big on recycling. There's a recycling bin on every street corner uh, alongside a trash can. Varying degrees of people getting what's recyclable and what's not, but at least you're like going for the trash. Um, and I know that's pretty much the same throughout the West Coast, but um, there um, recycling is, is not a thing and it's, it's all trash. And so there's just no bins at all. Um, and I don't know what maybe it's maybe it's a guilt or shame like if you're at the nice area of this pristine beach and you threw a wrapper on the ground people would probably look down at you or say something about it and so they probably choose not to do that there the hike up and down to the beach is uh you're somewhat somewhat of a nomadic hike in which you're like going to this beach where there aren't a lot of people so therefore no one's seeing you like discard your chip wrappers but i mean it was like potato chip wrappers like pringles cans like like legit trash like and a lot of it like so much of it and yeah. it's um yeah well, well i think it's like you, uh go ahead i know as you, so as you do like nobody here throws litter so nobody throws litter you don't want to be the only one whereas if yeah. you up and there's shit out there you just like oh yeah and you throw it down too so you throw it down it doesn't matter uh, yeah. yeah it's that uh giuliani's it's not his theory but it's the broken windows broken windows theory you know if he's if you spray paint if you paint over the graffiti every single night, people will get tired of it. If you fix all the broken windows and make the trains look good, people will take care of them. I think it's kind of true. And I think that's almost like the generational thing you're talking about in the trailer parks or the low-income home. It's like, you know, the stuff is already on the ground and it's just like, right. Like, it, it, like I think Julian is a fucking douche, but at the end of the day, I don't think that that theory is... I think the theory has a lot of holes in it, but there is something to be said for like, you know, when in Rome. Well, know? the reason I laughed when you said that is because I had an inappropriate thought, which is all I do all day long is I have inappropriate thoughts. <laughs> um, I, I agree with the, the, the theory. I like the, the idea of keep painting over until people bored. I get bored with it. The, the only problem is when Juliana takes it to, well, then if you just stop every black person, you're going to find drugs because that's where he took it is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Everything expands. You, nothing right. stops. There's, there's no like we're going to put these limits on it. What they do oh, yeah. is, oh, this worked. Let's take it here, 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 and they keep expanding yeah. until it is stop every yeah. black person, frisk them, rough yeah. them. Your bench. Yeah. Oh, it's absurd. Yeah, Giuliani was a, a piece of work. It's a piece still of work. is a complete asshole. Yeah. Still, oh, still, yeah. still there. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. So for your area in Iowa, that's a that's a red state, right? It's a purple state. We did go for Obama twice and just Trump. They wanted nothing to do with Hillary. Yep, wanted nothing. And I have a friend who I like to call a spy 
he's running for a local, uh, I'm not going to talk about it because I don't want to get him in any trouble. Um, he's running as a Democrat. And he has a shot. He's in rural farm country. And he, okay. the reason I call him a spy is because he, he is a farmer. And um, he would tell me stories. He's like, when Obama was president and soybean prices dropped by a penny, they would just out and out drop the N-word and blame him. Yeah. Now that Trump has decimated them with his idiot tariffs, they, they say, well, we just got to hang in there a little. He knows what he's doing. We just, we just got to give him a little more time. It, it but that said, it's been three years and they don't hate Biden. They hated Hillary, but Biden has been around long enough. And it'll be interesting to see what happens with Kamala. Um, yeah. I, I think she was a great choice personally because of the law and order background, because they can't hammer her on that. I personally wanted Susan Rice, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but it, it'll be interesting to see what that does because they don't hate Biden. So fingers crossed, Iowa pulls its head out of its ass and goes blue again in a couple months. But it's much to get into you know, with all the mail fraud bullshit going on and Trump going after the post office. It's insane. Like there is mail fraud. And Every time Trump it, I'm like, wait, why is no one going after? Why why isn't he getting arrested for this? This is illegal. I, it's it's beyond me. I did see a great uh, quote from the Daily Show. Um, I'm going to get it wrong, but I'll get the the essence of it right. So the the way to ruin a d democracy is when the person gets in power. Step one, lie all day every day, lie. Step two, say that everyone else is lying, and then you've created such confusion that you know that's it. It's over. And that's literally what he's done since day one is just lie, 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 lie. And his supporters either don't care or they believe it. And they, here we are today just wondering how this election is going to work. Uh, I told my wife last week, even before this mail fraud, the, this, this decimation of the post office took place, I told her I'm voting in person. We have early voting two weeks of it. Yep. I'll go wait in a 30 minute line. I've never understood the three hour wait on election day. That, that I'm like, I'm going to go vote in person. I said, I don't think you should vote by mail. I'm going to go make my vote count. I always, it's always a game to me. We live uh, two blocks away from uh, a high school, which is where the, uh, you can vote. The voting station is, and I'll get up at six in the morning. And my goal is to be the first one there. And sometimes I'm like number three, sometimes number five, because there are older people in the neighborhood that will like literally go two hours before. But um, it's always a game to me to go as early as I can, and it takes all 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that, I think for the household here, I, I think that uh, my wife, and I know people at work too, that are on board with the mail-in voting because they want to do their research, they want to have their notes, they want to have all of that in place around them when they check off everything and then put it in the mailbox, and they feel comfortable with that. But I, I've never done that. And even prior to his comments recently, um, I, it, it never crossed my mind to mail it in. Um, so, and again, we don't, we don't have those issues as far as polling places and having, I mean, there are lines, but the idea of um, the, the weather being a factor and, and waiting outside while there's weather, I mean, you know, some areas, particularly I'm thinking like Atlanta and um, other places back east where election day uh, weather is a challenge. Um, I, I, I don't think that's ever been an issue here. I, I do know that the, the big roots movement here, at least for the Santa Barbara area, I think um, for my demographic, uh, my age group at least, and then probably the, the, the younger group after me, um, they're, they're all voting for 
Biden and he could have picked Mavis Staples to run with him. They, they, <laughs> that, that's what I was hoping on. They, they, <laughs> they're, I think that people are just fed up. And it's, it's a lot of the ideas, what you're saying, like everything he's saying, like, you know, we've watched over the past years, um, what he said and how he's affected our relationships with other countries and within our own country. And it's just, um, it's been somewhat terrifying. Uh, I told I mean, Nate. But, oh, go ahead. But do you feel, I mean, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I agree. And I would vote for him if right. He had my dog as his running mate. Like I don't really give a shit, but yeah. by the same token, I feel like because they know that we're voting against someone and we have no choice, I feel like they're just not trying so hard. No, you know I mean, yeah, I would say that this the past three to five years have been eye opening as far as like what what it means to be a politician um, yeah. in the United States, and um, a lot of the uh, mystique has been taken away from that. And it's also revealed that a lot of them, you know, don't really a don't really know what they're doing, and b don't really have their constituents' best interest at heart. It's going to yep. be a lot harder. Uh, to even convince me of that, you know, I, I think that the idea of now is like win against this evil with this guy who, you know, maybe won't be as evil. Well, yeah, I mean, my thought is is as I I think um, people are talking uh, saying that Bi uh, Biden is losing it in dimension all that. Uh, I I actively saw Biden speak at the Iowa State Fair. I don't know if you know this, but it's a staple that they all come through it be, because I was the first. And wow, uh, it was horrible. I caucused for Pete Buttigieg. Was it better in person or worse in person? No, it, was, it was horrible. He was just incoherent and rambling. I caucused for Pete Buttigieg. That was my guy. Yeah. I liked Warren. I liked Yang. Biden was like seventh on my list. That said, I'm voting for him, and I don't feel that I'm doing so grudgingly, and here's why. If the past three years have shown me anything, is what you just said, that the president really is sort of a figurehead. He's, he sort of guides the ship and Obama did a great job of it. But say all Biden does is what Trump did. All Trump has done is just been on a perpetual rally machine. He, he feeds yeah. his ego. He goes around. If all Biden does is goes around the country and says, hey, everybody, let's all get along. I'm fine with that. I am counting on him to create the exact 180 team that Trump did get rid of the Betsy DeVos's, get rid of the the oil guys and the coal the coal guys that are are in charge of the 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 parks system. I trust him to put in good people, and if he just wants to sit back and and sit margaritas and do nothing, I'm fine with him being a figurehead. And because I know why I like Kamala. People, yeah, yeah, like Betsy's been missing for a couple of weeks now. Uh, since they started having everyone go back to school, I think that she's been MIA because she shouldn't have gotten that position. And I think she's out, she's in over her head. But as someone that's supposed to be the lead person as it relates to education, she's she's been really quiet. Um, I remember, Barrett, your mom was, uh, your mom worked at Rutgers, right? Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I think that is, that's such an important role. And I think that they gave her that job as a, as a bit of a handoff to like, here's, here's your position here with this cabinet. But I don't think they realize how integral that position would be now. Um, and now yeah. that we're, she's got nothing to add to it either. Yeah. This, I mean, I think uh, nothing to do with anything. And it's, it's mm -hmm. just a, a non-important interjection. Um, I, I mentioned Dairy Queen. I took my kids to Dairy Queen earlier and, and um, th this happens to me all the time. This happens to me all the fucking time. 
a woman starts walking up to me. She sees me. She recognizes me and is like, oh, hey, uh, did your house get any damage in the storm? And I'm like, no, we, we got lucky, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm texting my wife. Who the fuck is talking to me? I've never met this woman. I, I have this? never seen her before in my life. This is our first conversation. She's like, that's our neighbor. I'm like, oh, okay, I guess I have seen her. Meanwhile, you, Stephen, just said, hey, uh, I know we haven't talked in 30 years, but your mom worked at Rutgers. How the fuck do you remember that? I don't remember someone I have seen a thousand times. You just pulled it. Holy shit, was that impressive. Did you hear when he said, he said, I don't smoke pot. Remember he said that? <laughs> Neither do I. I'm just stupid. I don't smoke pot. I'm just that dumb. I remember like most of our college experiences. Yeah. You know what I remember the most? Uh, not not the most, but with, with you specifically. Uh, before we started recording, when I surprised Barrett, and I went, Estefano! <laughs> Do you remember that? Remember that? I remember, yeah, like, the last... But don't go too far, because we have to explain to anybody watching. Barrett, do you remember that? Yeah, then that and Rocco, yes. Well, no, right. no, the specific reference. Yes. Because okay, so what were you doing in the Berkeley Theater? Was it was it a singing choir? Because you weren't you were not playing your saxophone. Was it? I was in a I was in a choir. Choir. So, Barrett, you and I and several others were were all the way at the back of the theater. How big is that theater? Seven hundred, a thousand, five hundred. Really big. Yeah. And so we we go we watch the performance and as trying to talk you guys out of coming too. What's that? I'm pretty sure I tried to talk you guys out of coming. Yes. So as, as everything's ending and the applause is dying down, every, just we all stood up and yelled as loud as possible, Stefano! And I saw you just start cracking up, just like, oh, I, think I, was, I think I was asked not to come back the next year after that, too. No, you weren't. <laughs> you just started busting all that. We were so loud. People were looking at us like, who the fuck is this? Oh, yeah. So our oh. freshman year, you remember, so you remember the game, we had the game, uh, Exit Ball. Do you remember the game in the dorms? We played exit ball. So we had like a couple of um, racquetball balls and we went through each floor, throwing them at the exit signs. And breaking <laughs> we called it exit ball. Like me, John, Rocco. I, yeah. And so the last day of freshman year, I went to get like my deposit and I had to go talk to the Dean and I'm like, Oh, sure. So I walk from the, accounting department to the dean's room and I come and I have a seat and he's like how are you doing I'm like good good and he's like good nice to meet you finally Mike nice to meet you too and he's like he's got some paper in his hand and he looks at me and he's like so you're Stefano <laughs> like I beg your pardon he's like yeah yeah I've heard a whole lot of your guys you guys had a lot of fun yeah tell me about exit ball and I'm just like <laughs> and again like 18 years old like, I think I was going from there to the airport to fly home for the summer. And I think in this hand, he's like, got my check. <laughs> and he's like, yeah. I'm like, what do you need to know? And he's like, well, I just want to know, you know, who, who else like to play this game exit ball? And I was like, oh, you want names? He's like, yeah, you know. I'm like, I don't, I don't have any names. He's like, well, I've talked to a couple other people. I'm like, who have you talked to? And he's like, some other people. And I'm like, you don't have any names either? He's like, oh, no, I've got names, Stefano. I've got names. <laughs> and he keeps saying Stefano, and I'm like, this guy doesn't even know my name. <laughs> I was like, I, I, I don't, I don't have any names. Like it was a thing that like I was doing, like when I was waiting for an elevator, you know, I would throw the ball at the sign. He's like, just you by yourself. I'm like, that's right. And he's like, I don't think that matches with the other people I've talked to. And I was like, 
but you can't tell me who you can talk to. He's like, I can't. I'm like, so are we, are we good? And he's like, oh yeah, yeah. Have a good summer. Gives me my check. And I walk. <laughs> and it was the weirdest thing. So I called John and I called Rocco and they said that they talked to him too. They didn't give him names either. And he had no names. So he, he had our names, but neither of us would, would admit to playing exit ball. Like we're recording this dilemma. 30 years later, you now have me on record as admitting to playing exit ball. Nice. <laughs> Who was with me? Barrett, was it you um, that got called into the dean's office and told that we're very seriously thinking about uh, not allowing you to return next year, but in the very least, you are not allowed to return to the dorms. Uh, were you there for that meeting? I was there you, with someone else. I wasn't there for that. I was only in the dorms that one year, though. That was uh, after, um, and I know you were there for this, Barrett. I don't know who else was there. You might have been, uh, Stephen. Um, we, we, we went to Cappy's and got a slice of pizza, the local, and when we got back, there was, uh, I, I think, an Italian man. There was someone in the lobby screaming at the guard, and he looked at us and said, it was them, it was them. You know where this is going. Someone had busted his window and he blamed us and we were in our pajamas. We used to go to yeah. in our pajamas. Yeah. Late night pizza in our pajamas. There was a pizza place around the corner. And we hadn't done it. We were idiots, but we weren't out vandalizing oh, or criminals. What's that? Right. We weren't criminals. We were just no, idiots. That's right. There's a difference. What was his name? Shark Teeth. What was Shark Teeth's real name? Richard Benton, Bettencourt. Yeah, Benton, wow. Benton. Um, yeah. They, they, they got him involved, and he said, yeah, the fourth floor posse is definitely guilty because they're just, you know, that's what we, they do, even though we didn't. Like us, but we did not give him a reason to like us. Yes, we did not. And so I got called in. They said, we know you broke that guy's window. And I'm like, you absolutely, one, you don't know that. And two, I didn't do it. I, yes, I'm a piece of shit. Yes, I goof around. Yes, I'm a fuck up. But I'm not, I'm not an asshole. I'm not a vandal. And that's when I got the speech. And I'm, I'm almost positive there was someone with me who said that, that was in the room with me when the guy said, well, we can't kick you out of school, but we are not allowing you back in the dorms. And I'm like, I hadn't planned on coming back to the dorms anyway. But it right. was surreal. You're in the dorms. They really did not like us. Yeah, that was good. Do one thing that I regret now as, as an adult. <laughs> and I don't regret it because it's still funny. Do you remember we convinced Rocco to pull the fire alarm? Yes. <laughs> and we didn't let him in the room with us we we said go pull the fire alarm go do it and so he left and we locked the door room and he pulled the fire alarm and then he's pounding on the door guys let me in <laughs> we wouldn't let him and Richard ben, then Bencourt, he was the he's the resident assistant he's supposed to knock on all the doors and get everyone out of the building was the first one out of the, the first one out of the building <laughs> and he, he just he did not try to save any of us i feel I like having a, pulling a fire alarm is the wrong thing to do but but the memory of rocco pounding on the door let me in. really pounding yeah which makes it the fact that he's in trouble <laughs> I don't know if Bencourt got any sleep that year at all. I mean, after the first week of sessions, it was, um, I mean, the fourth floor, it was just a, it was a good group. It was, it was probably the worst pairing you could put together of people that would not only get along, but also seek out mayhem. Yeah, and, almost all yeah. get along. Uh, I, th this is not an exaggeration. Both of you have my back on this. Uh, your roommate, Stephen, was, was Condom. Captain and, Condom. What's that? Captain Condom. 
Yep. And we called him that because he showed up first day of school, like a 1980s movie with so many condoms, just like. To this day, I've never seen some, I've never seen as many condoms as I saw my freshman year of college. Like, <laughs> and all from him. I'm pretty sure like he had two suitcases. Yes. One of the suitcases was condoms. It was one suitcase of condoms. And then he did that thing. He's a living Seinfeld episode. You remember, he's a living Seinfeld episode where George left his coat somewhere so he could have an excuse to go back. It was dead winter, December, and he left his coat at some girl's school and came home freezing just so he could go back and get that coat. And she wanted nothing to do with him. Her name was Lori. You yeah. her name. Well, didn't you date her for a minute, though? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. All right. You might have me confused with someone else from college. <laughs> Here, here's a story for you, and this is a sad one. Uh, so when you got off the elevator, um, there was a wall in front. You could turn left or right. And the fourth floor, yes. fourth floor posse was all on the left. Left, yeah. Who was on the right? Do you remember? There's a, there, were, there were two people on the right. That hung out with us? They didn't, they didn't hang out with us. Oh, yeah. Um, One was a bass player who recognized me years later. He was in a band called Letters to Cleo. They had a hit. Um, them. Yeah. I can't remember. They, they had a hit. But either way, I went to see them in Milwaukee. He's like, dude, you're Nathan Timmel. I'm like, yeah. It was the same thing as that happened to Dairy Queen. I'm like, I've never talked to you. He's like, yeah, we're, we're in the floor yeah. together. I'm like, oh, fuck you. Uh, but the other person uh, was a kid named Abe Laboriel Jr. was on our oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. Abe was it? Um, Abe hung out with uh, Steve, who uh, was a Latin percussionist, but he was like from uh, I think he was from Iowa. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, Abe. Uh, I've run into Abe once or twice over the past oh, 30 years or so. Um, his family's from um, Woodland Hills, which is a couple hours south from here. Um, but Abe is a, I don't know, he's probably touring, or he was touring, but like, yeah, his dad was a uh, bassist or drummer? Yeah, Abe, bassist, yeah. Yeah, like, his, his, yeah, his dad played with, um, did a bunch of the Michael Jackson stuff in the 80s yeah. and stuff. Yeah, I think Abe was out with, Abe's out with Paul McCartney. That's yeah, his well, regular that's, game. That's where I was going with this is. Yeah, his regular um, game. Back before cell phones and the internet. Um, yeah. One day, I was just watching Saturday Night Live, live, not a repeat, and Seal is the musical guest, and they, they, and ladies and gentlemen, Seal, and I'm like, holy shit, and I called the phone, and Barrett, are you watching, he's like, yeah, I'm watching Saturday Night Live, holy shit, and all of a sudden, my call waiting goes off, and it's Roy, and I'm like, it, we're all, it was like, and then I went to see Seal live, and there was Abe, and then Paul McCartney picked him up, and yeah, so he's drumming with Paul yeah. McCartney. Yeah. Yeah, he's been for years, over a decade, I think he's been with Paul McCartney. Yeah, not a bad gig to have. Not at all, you know. And it might he might be busy for a while, but then like he might just wait for Paul to call him at some point when Paul decides to do it again. He yeah. probably does studio session. He's probably like I think, I think Peter Gabriel has a, a Tony Levin on retainer, just sort of like do what you want. But if I call you, I mean, not jump, but not a bad, know. not a bad guy to call for something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Gabriel. Yeah. What other good stories do we have to wrap up with? Uh, we we, we oh, shout out over the time, which is not. I'm glad. I thought we were going to be limited to 40 minutes. Uh, yeah. This has been this has been fun. It's been good to see you guys. Um, yeah, it's good to see you, cats, man. We got the uh, political yeah. shit out of the way, which which is for like the the podcast, and this is just nostalgia. And I'm I'm enjoying the shit out of this. Next let's time, let's invite Roy. I mean, it'd be good to see Roy. 
I, I would love to. He's an isolationist. He, he, he that, is, that is shocking. Yeah. Um, he, did, he did comment on my post on Facebook today. I haven't, he hasn't commented in over a year. He's still in West Virginia? He is, and I have a horrible story to tell you right now. This, this is embarrassing. Um, <laughs> this is just, I'm such a fuck up, and I, there's nothing I can do about it. Um, when, when Roy and I reconnected on Facebook, he goes under the name Ray Conrad, which is what I gave him in Berkeley, if you remember. So okay. That fake moniker. He doesn't even use his real name. Um, I, I don't know, a month later, uh, someone friended me. It, it, it was Katie Carr. And so I just messaged her. I'm like, oh, hey, are you Roy's wife? And she's like, I'm his sister. We met at his wedding. I'm like, oh, yeah. So uh, you're just... <laughs> I had no fucking clue. I'm just the dumbest person on the face of the earth. <laughs> so I tell the story about Roy often when I talk about drinking. So you guys might remember, this is a college story. When I got to college, I was not experienced in drinking at all. Like I've been working on a Boulevardier like while we've been talking. So I'm a really right. big bourbon guy. I like bourbon a lot. But at 17, as a freshman in college, like I could not drink alcohol. Like I didn't like the way it tasted. Didn't even like the way beer tasted. And so we went to a couple of parties. Uh, uh, I think your roommate, Barrett Chris, got us invited to a couple of parties a couple of times. Um, and we would go and I would find like wine coolers or whatever. And I would kind of drink those and I would get drunk. I would get so drunk off like three or four wine coolers. And so one morning after a party, Roy pulls me aside and he says, hey, you know, the guys have been talking and you're kind of embarrassing. <laughs> like, what are you talking about, Roy? And he I says, I don't remember ever talking to Roy about you being embarrassing. So I'm innocent. Yeah, I, I realized years later he was probably talking about himself. Okay. <laughs> but he's like, he was, he's like, yeah, you, you can't get that drunk drinking wine coolers. And I'm like, well, I don't like the way alcohol tastes. And Roy's like, huh, why don't you come to my room tonight at six? And I'm like, cool. Yeah. So go to class, whatever thinking that I'm going to like, Roy's got like, you know, Roy's from West Virginia. He's got like some secret that will help me drink alcohol. And so I, I knock on the door. Roy's like, Oh, Hey, come on in from the room. And he's like, hand me that bag <laughs> bag. And it's a bottle of Bacardi 151 dark. I'm like, Oh, rum. Probably mine. That's what I drank. But anyway, it, it was brand new. So it was in the bag still. And I was like, Oh, we're going to drink this. And he's like, yeah, you're going to drink this. And I'm like, Oh, we're going to, we're going to mix it with anything. And he's like, I think I've got some ice. And he gets up and walks away. And <laughs> so to this day, 30 years later, I remember like on Cheers and doing a shot with Roy. I remember doing another shot. And then like throughout the course of the way my memory works is I can remember like Roy laughing at me while I'm puking and still drinking and Roy's still laughing. And then, you know, I wake up the next morning in my bed, in my clothes, shoes on, everything. <laughs> and I feel like shit, and I continue to puke probably the next day. But that very next weekend, we go to a party, and someone's like, yeah, I want a beer? And I'm like, yeah, and I took a beer, and I drank it, and it tasted good. And I looked at Roy, and I'm like, hey, and I was super excited. And he's like, yeah, yeah, just play it, play it cool. Like, you know, like, <laughs> like, like, not that exciting, stop being so excited about it. But I'm like, look at this. And then the guys by the bar are like, do you want some whiskey? Yes, I do. Everything tasted good after that night of throwing up in the bathroom. Well, so there I, you go. I would all, I I would, my wife probably would not thank Roy, but I would thank Roy. Good old West Virginia wisdom. <laughs> Which makes me wonder like how young Roy was when he went through that. I mean, right? 
And and who was it? Was it his Bible thumping dad who I mean, did it? <laughs> my brother was one of the older ones in the group. Like he was already twenty one, I think, when we were in the dorms, right? I turned twenty one while we were in the dorms. So yeah, I I I because that was the night I got drunk on one fifty one. Barrett can tell that story. I can't because I don't remember it. All I remember is being on the subway and thinking that I was making fun of this douchebag and getting away with it. And Barrett told me like, dude, that guy was going to kick your ass. Because I was just like, oh, look at me. Oh, he's looking at me. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember anything. I just know that I was making fun of some guy. On it the, was, on the, yeah, it's like, it was like a bad TV show. Yeah. It's like a bad TV show because he's making fun of the guy. The guy's getting pissed off and he thinks the guy can't see him. You know, like like when a five year old goes, "You can't see me now." It, it was like just, that. Just was, waiting to get punched. <laughs> I was like, "Good lord, this isn't going to end well for anybody." Yeah, I think that I remember like coming home uh, that summer and all my friends being super impressed with my ability to drink, and I'm just like, "It's not that big of a deal, guys." Like, I don't know what you're talking about, and they're like, "No, when you left here, you could not drink a wine cooler," and I was like, "That wasn't me." That was me. I haven't drank a wine cooler since. I mean, yeah. <laughs> All right, I want to test your memory uh, quickly. Who is Pat Aldis's roommate? Pat Aldis. Um, so I remember Pat. He had the hair. Right. But his roommate oh, was the one the, guy the, that the, didn't. The chubby, Trump, the chubby trumpet player guy. Oh, um, yeah. He was the only guy that didn't fit in with the rest of us on the fourth, on, on the side. He was well, from Team uh, New Hampshire. Yeah. Uh, David was his first name. Uh, yeah, he was into marching band stuff. Yes. Yes. He played the trumpet and he would call his girlfriend from the, the payphone in front of my room like every night. Uh, Denise was his girlfriend. David was his name. I don't remember. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I remember we used to he just. He was perpetually to... angry with us. He, he, he got along with the uh, Betancourt and did not like oh, us. Yeah. I'm um, pretty sure he told, us, told on us often. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't talked to Pat. Um, all this, uh, I haven't talked to Pat since college either. Um, yeah, neither. I looked him up once. Canada. Um, Barrett found him, but I, I didn't reach out. Yeah. 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 Um, I liked him. He was a good guy. Um, yeah. I want to say he was, I know that he he wound up like meeting Deborah Harry. I don't know if he went on tour with her, but I know he met her. Wow. And, <laughs> he was hanging out with her group, but I don't know if he was on tour with her or if he was just like following her tour and like hanging out afterwards. I'm not sure. Well, he, he, I think uh, instilled in insecurity into all of us because he was, he was goddamn pretty. He was a pretty fucking person. He was yeah. a handsome man. Yeah. He, he also, I think that he it set me up to think that like all Canadians would be nice like he was. And <laughs> you know, I, I told Nate like I, I lived in Toronto for a few years for work. Uh, Toronto, of course, is like the least Canadian city of, of Canada. But like you've got like. Pat Aldis, who's like this really nice guy who's ridiculously just like, just salt in the earth, like would give you his cardigan. People in Toronto are not like that. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's Toronto's a big city. But, um, oh, has one of, he, he's involved in one of my favorite memories. And part of me doesn't want to tell this story because I, it's such a good story, but I don't think it translates. It's one of those you really did have to be there. And I don't know if either of you were there, but so to anybody that's still watching us for any reason, uh, when we went to college, it was back in the days of box televisions and VCRs. Yes. And in the basement was the only box television with a VCR in the community room. Yep. And 
so to get to the basement, you walk down a flight of stairs and you could either walk right into the door in front of you to the community room or turn left, walk down the hallway into another door into the community room. So it was a community room with two entrances, one at the bottom of the stairs and one down the hallway. One day someone got a hold of a, a porno tape and word got out that, hey, we've got a porno tape, everybody in the basement, let's, let's watch this porno. I was and, not there. <laughs> what's that? I was not there. <laughs> oh, well, so a lot of people were. The community room was packed because it was more a giggle thing. Nobody's going there to like, ooh, we're all going to beat off and watch a porn together. It, it was <laughs> bathrooms. You're 18, you're stupid. <laughs> Let's watch this porn. We're being naughty. So um, I remember that, okay, so, so imagine this rectangle is the room. Over on this end is the television. And over on this end is the stairwell. So if any RA, especially Bentengort, was going to come down the stairs, we had someone at the bottom of the stairs, and then I was at the yeah, front yeah. at that entrance, and I would like, hey, 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 snap, snap, you know, turn off the kill the porn, kill the porn, he's coming, you know, like, because the stairs had a roundabout, or not a roundabout, but, you know, you go down, a landing. You'd come down, so you had, you know, at least five seconds from the landing to give a signal. So someone was going to give me the signal, and I would give the room the signal, and they would cut the porn. Yes. So everybody starts watching. I'm standing in the doorway. I'm sort of watching. They've got it going. And suddenly I get the signal, RA coming, RA. And so I give the signal, cut, 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 cut. And what happened in the room is, instead of pressing stop on the VCR and going to television or nothing, whatever, yeah. cut the television off. Just kill <laughs> the television. So now you had 50, 75 guys sitting in pitch black darkness because the lights have been turned off for the TV. So the entire room is pitch black and you have 75 guys staring at a blank TV. Super quiet. Yeah. Just dead silence, just staring at a dead TV. The RA walks in, it might have been back, and, and Pat Aldis, there, there's a beat, it's dead silent, and he goes, so the bartender says, and it was just a moment of pure brilliance. Uh, perfect. I can't replicate that. So the bartender says, like everybody's sitting in the room in the dark, <laughs> listening to a joke, waiting for that punchline. It, it, it's one of the most beautiful moments of my life. And he just nailed it. He nailed it. It was so good. So good. And I can't remember what happened after that. I, I don't remember if, you know, the guy, guys, what are you up to here? Which guys? Much Get back to, back to bed, back to bed. My, my memory of that room was, um, you know, we all got together to watch uh, the first episode of The Simpsons, uh, the, the, the TV series, The Simpsons. So yeah. Tracy Ullman, like I remember the first time I watched an episode of The Simpsons, Simpsons was that episode in that room with everyone in the dorm. Yeah. We were all huddled around the television for that. I mean, it, it was a community room for a reason. And then the practice rooms were off around the corner. No, did we have to go to the main thing for, did we have our own yeah, practice? practice rooms? They were yeah, hottest downstairs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. yeah. Yeah. Pat, Pat Aldis used to always uh, remind me to watch out for the puke when we were walking because I, for some reason, never saw it coming. He's like puke. And I would literally almost always step in it without him saying that. <laughs> I avoided puke often thanks to him. Yeah. Who's the people? I remember Barrett. I remember Barrett used to buy the prostitutes donuts. Yes. Well, I'd buy them for myself and then I would share oh, them yeah. with the prostitutes. You would get a donut for yourself and then treat the prostitute. Uh, yeah, I would get a dozen donuts and then I'd walk back to the practice room and I would give them, yeah, uh, one of them would always take some donuts. 
No. This is true. Uh, she bumped into one of them out in the real world once when she was hanging out with her friends. Oh, really? And, uh, and she pretended not to know me. Like, she saw me, and then was like this, and I was like, I gotcha. Um, oh, they don't have donuts, you don't know me? Is that what you said? Exactly. <laughs> now that I'm without donuts, you don't know who I am? <laughs> oh, you so, don't know me tomorrow, though, won't you, when I got them donuts? That's right. Yeah, because you know, the dorms weren't in a bad side of town, but there was some, um, yeah. there was some danger. There was some yeah. danger around. Yeah. yeah. I mean, rel- I mean, nothing would you call danger today. Yeah. You know. Yeah. There Do you was remember that. what Barrett's special skill was? Oh my God! I'm just having a memory. I'm having a memory flash. So you said uh, uh, Pat was the puke whisperer. He would tell you where puke was. Do you remember Barrett's special skill? Um. Was it a I, drum, I remember my drumming on any furniture in the room? <laughs> Finding amateur pornography. <laughs> Bunk beds, closets. <laughs> no, he, he would find amateur pornography. We'd be walking to class and he'd just be walking and just completely casually, like he knew it was there, like a magnet. He'd just walk over somewhere and go boop and pick up a Polaroid picture of just yeah. a blowjob or two people having sex. And here, here's the memory flash I had as I had that thought. So he was finding this Polaroids all the time. Yeah. You remember the picture of the person bent over with a pencil. Yeah, the pencil. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. So do you remember what happened to that? No. Yeah. Didn't, didn't we put that in Chris's binder we, or something? It started with Chris. We started putting it. It, it became the floating picture where you put it in someone's uh, book or binder. <laughs> What's that? Wait for them to find it. it. They'd open up the class and and Chris was so pissed because he was so mad. Well, he He said there was a girl he liked and he, she asked for a piece of paper and he (laughs) opened it up and fell out. (laughs) And it was a, it was one, it was a guy too. It was a black guy. So Chris is a white guy and he's, he's, he's trying to make an impression on this girl and he opens it up and this Polaroid falls out of a guy with a pencil up his ass. And he (laughs) was so, (laughs) he said he didn't talk to her for the rest of the year, I think. But here's what I remember. Tell me if you remember this, Barrett. Um, it became this running game of hiding it in every the, the game to game yeah. making people except we got Chris, we got John, we probably we got Rocco twice or three mm-hmm. times, and they never got us because what they would do, and I remember this clearly, is after they would hide it in my book or your book, they'd be like, have fun in class today. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Oh, look, there's the polar. Like, they were just such idiots. Like, I, I mean, it was just dead giveaway. Yeah, not smart. Not smart at all. Uh, not good acting smart. in the slightest. Yeah. Uh, well, it's funny because I think about things often, and I think, like, I've gone to Boston for work quite a bit, and, you know, as an adult, you go to Boston, you know, you, you've got more money or you've got more ability to have a, a better meal than like store two, four hot dogs. And, you know, Boston, <laughs> such a fun city, but at the same time, like you, you miss those, those times when like, that's, that's what it was, you know? Um, like, and I've gone back, times I've gone back and I've wandered through the neighborhood or gone by like that uh, Lansdowne street area and those areas. And it's just like so different and so much smaller now than it was when we were that age. But um, it's a fun city, but like I walked by, Walk by Berkeley the times which I've gone there. I make a point to walk by Berkeley and walk down uh, Newberry Street, and it's just so um like every every memory uh, that I have from there is like when I when I knew you guys there, and we would have those memories together. And so it's um it's good to see you, but I think that like whenever I go back to the city, it's always um 
that's why I like the city of Boston, I think, um, because of those experiences. I think that it was, um, it was, it was a good time. It was a really good time in my life. Newberry yeah. Street, you got trapped in a store with New Kids on the Block, didn't you? New Kids on the Block once. And um, the, so back then the Patriots weren't very good. And um, I got trapped in a store with a couple of the guys that were at the best of Reebok who wanted to sign autographs, but like no one showed up. And so I wandered in and like, I got like five autographs. I can't even tell you the names of them, but like Patriots were so bad when we were in Boston. I remember like, I think towards my last year there, we knew some people that would go tailgate at Foxborough. And then at halftime, they would just let us in. Like, oh, nice. I'd go and it was, I tell people that story now, and they're like, you got in for free? I'm like, yeah, we got in for free. They're like, we're just like, where we wanted. And people can't believe that. I'm like, you don't understand. The Patriots weren't very good. They're like, no, the Patriots have been good for a long time. I'm like, go back further. Yeah, they, they were like the Browns, but without the rabid fan base. I'm yeah, because we were listening to the radio, and I remember it was like, okay, so best Reebok. And I can't remember the names, but they had like four players that were there, and they were waiting to sign autographs like all day. And I just happened to be on Newberry Street, and I walked in. And they're like, hey, we've got someone here. And then those guys like rushed me. Like I got like a t-shirt. <laughs> I got like a hat. I'm not even a Patriots fan. Like I'm just like, thank you. Thank you very much. Got some pictures. Um, well, you kids are Bledsoe, which is pre-Tom Brady. I mean, that's that was, right. Bledsoe was the quarterback. Bledsoe. Yeah. He was their big sign. Yeah, that was like Bledsoe was the quarterback like right around the time we were leaving. Yeah. Like prior to Bledsoe, I can't even tell you who the quarterback was. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It, the, the Patriots weren't good. The Sox weren't good. I mean, it was um, – I was going to go to concerts at the Worcester, Worcester, Worcester. Worcester. Yeah. Take a bus 45 minutes out of town. We did that. Uh, let's see. So one year we lived in an apartment. And um, so John Rocco and I lived together across the hall from us. Um, there's two guys that went to maybe BU. Um, very, very well-to-do families. Like the, the one guy, his dad was like president of Mercedes-Benz um, U.S. And so we wanted to go see NXS in concert. Uh, and he's like, yeah, let's get tickets. Let's go. I'm like, that sounds good. Go back to our place, crash. Next morning, he wakes up. He's like, hey, I got tickets. I'm like, oh, cool. And he's like, um, yeah, don't worry about it. I'll get a car and we'll just go. I'm like, all right. So the night of the concert comes, we're driving to the concert in a really nice Mercedes Benz. And I'm just like, all right, well, this isn't that out of the ordinary, I guess. I mean, your dad is president of Mercedes Benz. You can get a car whenever you want. We were, the seats were really good. I mean, we didn't actually get to touch Michael Hutchins, but like, it, he was really close. Like it was probably one of the closest I'd been to like the, the band at a concert in my life up to that point for sure. But um, like, and I was just like, what do we owe you for the tickets? And I was like, ah, oh, don't worry about it. Like we've never paid for it. But um, yeah, yeah, it was a interesting night. I can't remember who opened for, oh, um, you want to know, this is going to take you back. You want to know who opened for NXS that night? Would that have been X-Tour, so Suicide Blonde, that era? That era, yeah. Suicide Blonde. Um, I can't think of who would have been in, in the mid-range. Soup Dragons. Oh, fuck. Yeah, <laughs> they, they disappeared. How's that for 90s? Yeah. 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 Do, you, do you, I have a horrible story to tell. Do you, are you still in touch with John at all? No, I haven't talked to um, John, Rocco. Um, do you remember uh, Brian, um, Brian Borchers? I think he was, was he in the dorms with us? He was in the dorms with us. I'm drawing a blank. A uh, blonde kid. Um, Brian, when I was on Facebook, Brian found me and he was friends with um, Rocco, John, um, Kelly. Uh, he was friends with all those guys on Facebook, but then I stopped using Facebook. Hmm. 
And um, so I haven't talked to any of them except for Brian. And that was only in, uh, in passing for like one summer when we friended each other on Facebook. Hmm. Well, my horrible story, and Barrett knows this one. Uh, I think Barrett found him. Did you find him? Who? John. John? Yeah. Yeah, oh, I think we found him years ago. It was about 10 years after. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's been a minute. Okay. Were you you were there for the big night? Uh, John destroyed his dorm room, were, weren't you? When Anaya, yeah. so John had a girlfriend named Muffy, and she was cheating on him like mad, and and yes. he was just heartbroken and angry all the time. He'd call the dorm like, "Oh, where's Muffy?" You know, she went out with a uh, Bill. Like, what? Who's Bill? Like, yeah. He, he just he was, and so if you even said Muffy, he would lose his shit. And at one point, I picked up a Playboy or a Hustler or something pointed right at the crotch and said, John, Muffy, Muff, 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 or something like that. And I just walked out of the room and he destroyed the dorm room. He yeah, did. I mean, unbelievable. Like a child. Like a child having a tantrum. Yeah. Was, he, was he your roommate? or Who was his roommate? Very yeah, mine. Chris and John. I was with Roy. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, he... I wasn't there when it happened, but I remember, I remember hearing about it and I think, I, I don't know if I met Muffy, but I caught a glimpse of her because we went to Marshfield for Thanksgiving with John a couple of times and Thanksgiving in Marshfield is, it's a big to do because there's a football game. Like it's an East coast thing, I guess, but on Thanksgiving day, um, the, the rival high schools play a football game. It was very weird to me because I'm like, it's a holiday. They're like, no, it's the big game. And so we went to the local high school, watched the game, uh, Thanksgiving day. And there was a couple of guys that were like older than us. We're like college freshmen, maybe sophomores. Um, guys older than us inviting people to their parents' house after the game for a party because their parents were out of town. And I was laughing because I'm like, aren't these guys a little old to be inviting high school girls back to their houses? But it's what you do in Marshfield. But Muffy walked, <laughs> walked by and John like got all tense. And I was like, hey, you good? And he's like, didn't say a word until like this group passes by. And then he's like, that was her. But then he keeps walking. And so I just assumed it was her. And I looked back, saw a blonde girl. Again, assumed it was her. Never met her. But this was, it must have been our second year because he kept it together well, I guess. But yeah, I, I, I remember all of that as it unfolded. I mean, to this day, I, she's the only girl I've ever known named Muffy. Yeah, I, same here. <laughs> that still happens. But yeah, we, we went back to John's house, like, I think a couple of Thanksgivings. Like, his family was very um, welcoming to us, like Rocco and I, and like, we would we would go, I think we went there more than a couple of times. I went back there one summer from here for 4th of July even um, and hung out with those guys. Um, not a very diverse place, Marshfield. <laughs> it's very pretty. People, people stare. Uh, but yeah. Ten years after uh, all this went down, uh, I, I don't know how, uh, Barrett, I, I think it was you, uh, found John. Uh, and found where he worked. Uh, like on Facebook or? What's that? Like on, found him on Facebook or? No, this was before Facebook. This is, this is yeah. pre all this. It was, uh, maybe it was from the Berkeley newsletter or the email. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. And so, I mean, this is back pre-internet or, you know, baby internet. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And uh, what, I, I, I think we were together, Barrett. I, I don't know what we were doing or why we would have been hanging out since we lived in different sections, but I, I called. Uh, John's place of employment, and I, I dialed up his office, and this was after hours, so I got. Yeah, he worked at a bank or something. 
What's that? Yeah, he works at a bank or something. Or an insurance company. So yeah, I get a voicemail yeah. and uh, hi, this is John. Uh, please, and I just went Muffy, Muffy, Muff, 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 Muffy, Muffy, Muff, 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 Muffy. So the next day you went in, and ten years later got that voicemail. Oh, God. Because I'm a horrible person. <laughs> Dude. I, I would imagine he got over that, but. I would I mean, hope. I, I would, would hope. hope. But he also, I, I wish I'd been there for it because, again, I, I went muff and then I left the room. Um, the you stories that were told were just legendary of, of first him trashing the dorm room, being so upset. And then they had these flimsy bathroom doors that were, yeah. you know. Oh, yeah nothing he kicked the shit out of it so that it was basically gone and so then when he had calmed down barrett to, to everyone's the way everyone tells the story barrett just got up walked into the bathroom closed what? the missing door behind him it was and then just took a leak like made a very <laughs> obvious show of, like closed the door kunk, but it was gone i remember chris moving into the closet why did chris sleep in the closet <laughs> because he wanted to sleep all day he wanted to skip all his morning classes and that was dark. I remember they were on the front street. They had three windows, so it was very light. Uh, they it was faced, too much light. I think, or what? Yeah, yeah they faced. Uh, it was so the sun would come up. So he he moved into the closet so he could stay asleep. Yes, then he okay. could have sex with his girlfriend. His girlfriend could come up and they could have sex in the closet. I remember that too, and I, I remember thinking that's a really unique situation in which she's like, "You live with two other guys? Cool, let's go in the closet." Like, yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah, but, I mean, but, you know, eighteen. Knowledge uh, room in there. Knowledge. Yeah. I I tried my best to impart on the kids, uh, particularly my son. I was just like, "You really want to go to college?" And he's just like, "Why?" I'm like, "No, you don't understand. You want to go to college." And he was like, "I don't know if I do." And I'm like, "No, you idiot, you do." <laughs> Barrett, Barrett and I said this. I can't tell you why you do, but you do. Like, yes. Barrett and I have said this numerous, numerous, numerous times. We, we look back on it and basically we spent twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 just to become friends. That, that's yeah. it. The, yeah. the, the, what we got from Berkeley was, I was too immature to get anything from Berkeley. I, I look at that as a wash, but I spent all yeah. that money just for friendship. And that was it. And it's worth it. It's worth money, it. Money well spent. Money well spent. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Yeah. Well, thanks for catching up with us. Yeah. We thank you for the invite. Um, Barrett, good to see yeah. you. Uh, Thanks to uh, COVID, I'm always around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so are we. I'm always getting, here. I'm getting gigs canceled through October now. I haven't done shit. So are you guys looking at, for either of you, looking at doing gigs like virtually, or is that something that hasn't come up yet? I've done, yeah. some, I've done some corporate ones. I just I have one that might be up in the air tomorrow that I have booked, but uh, I don't know if you saw Iowa made the news. We had a storm. 100 mile hour winds whipped through the state like a hurricane, like a land-based hurricane, just decimated the state, 100,000 without power. So they might cancel the gig just off that. Um, yeah, of course. I did, in July, I had a casino in California booked that got canceled, but when I get that rebooked, it's three hours from LA, so it might be a, a little bit of a hike for you, but. What's the name of the city? Do you remember? Fuck if I know. I'll find it out when I get rebooked. I mean, it's three hours, um, so if it's three hours from LA, like good day it, it may not be that far like for us i can get to la in an hour and a half if i leave early enough versus like it could take me three hours to get to la so if it's three hours from la it might be if it's further south uh that would put us in san diego it's it's not south it's 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 south and then uh east so it's tucked away i'll i'll, I'll look it up 
And, and it's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So if you skip the Thursday, Friday and came down on a Saturday, Sunday when the traffic will be, but yeah, let's, let's, uh, <laughs> let's stay in better touch. Let's not talk in 30 years. Let's talk uh, before. Yeah, I agree. That sounds good. That sounds yeah. really good. Thanks for hanging out with us, my friend. Good, good, good to see you guys. I know we can. You guys get up, you guys get up late, too. I can, I've got time for another drink, whereas you guys don't. Yeah. Wow, dude. I'm, yeah, I've been doing manual labor all day, too, and I'm, I was exhausted when I got here. So it's good to see you cats. <laughs> yeah. kind of well. tired because all the joking earlier about the kids being in charge and me, uh, when did my, my, my wife was out of town the past two nights and she got home today. Uh, I spent two nights on the couch because uh, I would uh, put the kids to bed and then I would fart around and watch a TV show. And then I would go in my room and both my kids are in my bed and I'm like, all right, I guess I'm on the couch, you know, like, uh, and so I, I, I've been up early and, so I'm I'm not yawning like yeah. bear. I'm good. So, do you have do you have anything you want to plug? I always say antargoodwin.com. I'm at nathantimmel.com. No. I I yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think of something clever, um, but I think the SoundCloud that comes to mind would be a buddy of mine's, not mine. So. All right. Well. <laughs> all right, everyone. If you stuck around, I hope you enjoyed our technology fest. Thanks, guys. Thank you, you guys. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, man.